Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Scuzz-Scouspo. Uh, well, uh, the Wrigley game is come and gone. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, 10-7 Iowa wins in a game that... Um, I believe, what was it, the fifth highest scoring game at Wrigley this season? <laughs> I've been the seventh highest scoring game at Wrigley this season. Just that, just that, oh. that flurry of runs in the later innings, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Cubs um, and the Reds almost doubled up this score total. Uh. Yeah. Uh, before we get into that, I, I do want to just right off the top, um, thank you for everyone who came out to Beermiscuous. Thank you to Austin, the entire Beermiscuous squad. That was so much fun. We had a really, really great time. Um, and yeah, everyone who came out, it was awesome to see everyone. Really fun to watch the game. Uh, and we're we're gonna go, we're gonna be bit, we're gonna be back. Like we will go back to Beermiscuous for more events. It's a really, really awesome place. And uh, you know, can't thank Austin and his team enough for putting that all helping us put all that together. And again, like I like, we'll see. But like tentatively, right now, like I think we that may that may come as soon as this coming weekend. I think there's a really good chance I'm going to be there. Austin was great about setting that place up. So um, if you're looking for a place to watch the game, we'll keep it updated on Twitter. But uh, but you can plan on it. and if and everyone who went, you saw how great that space was. Um, and for everyone who didn't, it's awesome. It's in a great location. Um, that kind of tri-intersection there of what, Lincoln Racine and Diversity. Yep. Um, it's and it's such a cool space. It is just a really cool location that they've got. It's like a, a V-shaped configuration because of kind of the shape of the property and the shape of the building. Um, and just if you love a ton of cool beers and hanging out in a cool spot. And and again, we had a really good crowd and it'll be awesome to to do that again down the road. But it was a ton of fun. I need to nerd out. Give me the beer rundown, boys. Oh, um, they they had. Let's put it this way: they had something called a tropical stout, which is a lot of words that I like in one in one <laughs> beverage. Two, uh, two words that you like in one <laughs> beverage. Yeah, yeah two. Yeah. Uh, um, the uh, but I whatever I le- I know I led with um, something from Temperance. They had something from Temperance on the menu, which I was like perfect. Rep, rep Evanston right off the top, and then uh, I mean there were a lot of options. It was it was impressive. Yeah, I, I led off with a really really nice um, Vienna Lager, I think for Miskatonic, um, just perfect like uh, fall beer. You know, great malty Vienna Lager. It was fantastic. Um, had a Hefeweizen a little bit later. It was a little hoppier than I would have liked from a Hefeweizen, but. Um, and then, yeah, just a, a great selection, a bunch of different stouts. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, again, it's it's great. And again, Austin is a Northwestern alum, and he's crazy. Think about it. Like, if you're going to a bar to watch the Cats, do you want the guy behind the bar who owns the bar to be super into the team that you're supporting? That's what this is like. Um, and that was missing piece. Um, but we all had... A blast! It was it was a great time. Uh, also, want to shout out to uh, Gary and Stephen, who um, we got an email uh, late night uh, on Friday night, uh, inviting us to join them for the uh, parents' tailgate, um, which was really really cool. Just awesome, like last minute invite, and uh, for us to get a chance to go out and hang out with the the parents. And, you know, everyone who was there, um, you know, Peter Skaronsky was off in the corner kind of holding court. I didn't get a chance to go say hi to him, but uh, it was really, really cool to talk to, you know, all the players' parents who we got to chat with. Um, again, Gary, Steven, thank you so much for, for uh, inviting us to come out to that. It was really cool. It was really cool. And props to them for organizing it. I mean, it kind of came together, I think, last minute. I mean, we didn't, we found out about it late and they, they had, kind of worked they found like a verbo and they they kind of or airbnb or they put it they put it all together though and really made it happen for the parents awesome job for them and as an aside too i mean sam and i were both there for probably three hours we had a ton of great conversations with so many different players parents etc and kind of to address the elephant in the room right now i think a lot of you who listen to the pod 
um, are aware of the fact that if we're going to a parent's tailgate, we are going to a tailgate filled with people who, relative to a lot of the events of the summer, had opinions that came down in in some at sometimes quite different places than than where we came down on some stuff. And I think we were definitely aware of that going into this tailgate. And the easiest way that I would sum it up is every single parent we talked to could not have been more classy and could not have been greater to talk to. And that was not to say that these things were not addressed. They most definitely were. And we had parents come to us and be like, you said some things in that tale, you know, in that podcast in the summer that I very much disagreed with. I don't agree with you on X, Y, and Z. It was all done in, again, consummate class in the context of great thorough discussions about a number of other topics too. Um, and again, I, I just thank you to Steve and Gary for inviting us, but honestly, thank you to the parents community too um, for inviting us in and having a lot of great conversations about, about everything involved with this program. And it, it, it it's so great to actually, you know, have a mm-hmm. conversation uh, coming from two different sides and like everyone, you know, like we, Everyone has their own opinions and everyone has their own place where they're coming from. But the fact that we were able to just have a discussion and talk and not get all up in anyone's feelings and not get like all riled up and not start yelling. It was it was really, really refreshing to to see like that sort oh. of discourse, you know, being able to. And, and again, and like awesome. to, to go back to we many times, what makes this community special is it's a small community. It's a tight community. It's a community where you see everyone, you know, everyone. Right. And not to get into all the cliches of face-to-face versus things that are said online, et cetera. But this is the thing about this community. People are out there seeing each other face-to-face, having real conversations, having heartfelt conversations. And so, I mean, again, we had a million of those conversations with the parents, and then we had a million more at Beer Miscuous. And that all told, like Sam, it made for an incredible day. Um, not The game notwithstanding. Uh, one, one, one final... One final shout out uh, to Rod Hurd's father who <laughs> came through in the clutch and handed both John and I a Snickers bar when neither of us had anything to eat like that morning. That's a high performance athlete's dad right there. I don't know how he clocked that, but we were in the middle with conversations with who knows who and Rod's dad was just like, I don't think you guys have eaten anything today. <laughs> yeah, have, a, have a Snickers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was awesome. So, yeah, the game. Um, you know, it, it, it would be easy to look at it from afar and, you know, all of the jokes of, oh, this is going to be a baseball score and, oh, that, that's what came. Looking at the game on the field, this, these were two teams that were very, very close. I mean, they were virtually equals. I mean, awesome defenses, mediocre offenses, and, you know, that might be get, putting it kindly towards, towards one. Um, you know, one coach who has been fired, one coach who probably not much longer for a, for a position in Evanston. We will get into that, you know, as, as we move along. But, uh, I mean, you look at the stats, one yard difference in, in total offense, you know, Northwestern outgained Iowa 170 to 169. It was a lot, a lot of defense. And at the end of the day, it came down to a block punt. And a 53-yard field goal, all you know, pretty much at the buzzer. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. And it's not to say that Iowa didn't deserve to win the game. I mean, it, they it, the game, like you said, was on a knife edge. It's worth mentioning that everything that Iowa did in this game is the exact formula Iowa has used to get to seven and two this season. Okay. How you'd get to seven and two with a non-functioning offense. And to be clear, now that we've all seen it with our own eyes, boy, does it suck. And not not like I'm reinventing the wheel by saying that. But the way they do that is it's an ungodly good defense. They have great special teams and they don't penalties. And it's funny, like the, the penalty situation, Northwestern had another day where they had a bunch of penalties. The thing that I would say about that, and I, I think it needs to be addressed right off the top, is like, look, Two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, against Nebraska, <clears throat> when Northwestern had eight penalties, if this would have been true then, we would have said it then, and we didn't. But it sure as hell true now, and we're going to say it now. 
Almost half of those penalties are the result of Northwestern getting hosed by the refs in the first half of this game. A bunch of those penalties are just straight up BS. And Braun walked up to that as much as a coach can in the aftermath of the game. It was kind of like, look, couple plays, I'd rather have my guys playing hard and occasionally drawing one or like plays that could go either way. And it's a coach trying to finesse the fact to be like, these are some bullshit calls that went against us in the first half. Uh, <laughs> but I bring that up only because Iowa only had three penalties and that's what they do. They don't. They're Iowa's top five in the country in least amount of penalties. They don't commit penalties. And they have great special teams. And this is, they hit a 52 yard field goal, blocked a punt. And that's how they do it. That and a lot of luck. So again, it's like, in a sense, credit to them, while at the same time saying, just like Sam said, this game could have gone either way. It was dead even. Well, I think, I think it's worthwhile to give just some plaudits to, to the entire Northwestern team for the, you know, the grit that they demonstrated in this game. Cause I like, they came out even on paper, but um, I don't think there's any doubt. Like, I mean, there's a reason that that there's an there's a reason I always favored. And everyone expected the win. Um, the margin by which they were favored was a bit bonkers, and I think to be fair, like penalties yeah. aside, the first half felt very much like Northwestern was trying to hang on, get this game to the second half as close to zero zero as possible, and you can. I I didn't love um what I what felt to me was a pretty conservative offense. Um I, I didn't see any of the wrinkles or the really successful stuff that they found with Sullivan last week or you know the week prior with Maryland moving the pocket, getting him out, like everything was designed to be super fast and just get the ball out and you know no negative plays etc. They still you know they still lost yardage on on their first two drives. Uh they lost yardage on the first drive of the second half. So I just you know, I, I, I don't want to spend time quibbling about Bajaki or anything like that. Cause I think, I think it is what it is, right? You come in, you come in with a mindset, you're playing a really tough team on defense. Um, but the way Northwestern's defense hung in there, the way Northwestern's offense, like kept grinding and kept grinding and kept grinding and like, God, I mean, like they, th- this was always a one possession game. They tied it up with, with what? 52 seconds left to go or a minute, minute and a half, minute and a half. Um, yeah, just over a minute. Uh, yeah. th- th- like the mental, the mental discipline that it would have taken to do that in this game um, would have been really, really difficult. And those guys get a ton of credit for it. Absolutely. I mean, again, we can put a pin in the defense because we could, <laughs> they were freaking incredible. And we can spend plenty of time talking about that. But in terms of the offense, right. I mean, again, like like you were saying, Because of the nature of what everyone knows about Iowa's offense and the line, the idea that neither of these teams, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like the Northwestern offense is going to be maligned for what happened in this game. And first of all, I want to point out a week earlier, Minnesota uh, did not, they, they scored 12 points. They did not score a touchdown against this Iowa defense, which Northwestern did. And in fact, what North, when Northwestern scored a TD, it was some crazy amount of time since Iowa had allowed a, t- a touchdown, um, I believe. And not to put the cart before the horse of teams that we'll talk about later, but uh, there are teams on Northwestern's schedule who've scored less points against Iowa than Northwestern did in this game. In terms of the play calling, like Scus said, look, I mean, like at this point, there's not much to be said that hasn't been said before at some point, And, it's just not worth expending a bunch of oxygen on. You know, there's three games left in this season. But in terms of the grit of the guys, Scuzz is absolutely right. I mean, the character of this game, this is a team that hammered their heads against the wall, against this Iowa defense, trying to find something for the vast majority of the game. And then late in the fourth quarter, put together a, I think, what, 18 play 66 yard drive hammering it inch by inch by inch all the way down only to have it end in just the worst fashion possible at the goal line and look there are you can quibble with the plays that were called you can quibble with the personnel that was in etc um look i mean honestly like i'm not going to quibble with just trying to throw it into the 
gra- into the line after we didn't do that last week, the week before, and it were huge. It was huge problems. It again, it was on a knife edge. The fact that um, again, I'm not going to say the fact that a giant hole opened up in the middle of the field played into that that set of downs. It certainly didn't help the fact that the two <laughs> line in the entire between the hashes turned into ice. It didn't help. Okay, but. More, yeah, more, right. Just like, like ice, more like a carpet in a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Yeah, it was. It was. It was just rough. Um, I mean, and, it was. It was. But it was the sod that they say, put over the teacher's mound to spend right? all day making no headway, and then finally to hammer your way bit by bit by bit down the field, only to have it just end at the one inch line. And what did they do? Defense punched them off three plays in a row. Northwestern. A.J. Henning immediately, great punt return. They drive right down and score. They played their best football at the end of the game. And if Iowa wouldn't have hit that 52-yard field goal, they would have taken that best football into overtime and had a great shot here. <clears throat> and again, Iowa's got great special teams. That's what they did. They hit a big field goal and they got a piece of a punt. That's what they do. Um, and, and it's little things. You know, speak, speaking speaking of that punt, I I saw an interesting analysis. I, I forget where I saw it, but like we were, you know, the analysis was saying that in order to keep it away from Cooper DeGene, we were driving it like a low. We were trying to kick it away from him, which led to a lower trajectory of a punt, which that which led to that block. It was you know, I I again I forget exactly where I read that, but I saw that. I'm like, huh, that it does it does make sense. Iowa scored 10 points in this game on 61 combined yards of drives. That's combined on those two drives. I mean, it's like the end of the game, the quote-unquote worst play for the Northwestern defense was a pretty middling pass that got Iowa just into very long field goal range. Northwestern then stoned them. Until they had to kick the field goal, and then credit to the dude, he had a fifty-two yarder. Um, and, and yeah, you're talking about the twenty-three yarder to Caleb Brown, right? Right. Yeah. And I mean, like, quote unquote, yeah, yeah. big. I mean, what do you want? Iowa had 169 yards of offense in this game. Northwestern's defense dominated them all game, um, and they were incredible. And the one time Iowa put together a whopping 41 yard drive, and it ended when Theron Johnson picked Deacon Hill off in the end zone. So I mean, it's like they were. They were stupendous on defense. The Cats, the defense was so flipping good. I mean, I think it's important to know. We've been talking about how how broken this Iowa. I'm not not trying to take anything away from the defense, but we've been talking about how broken this Iowa offense is, right, all season. And um, now that that being said, they still can run the ball with some effectiveness. Their record is what their record is, right? They're not a big passing team. I think. I, I think. Um, we allowed Deacon Hill to throw a little bit more on the run than I than I expected, but still, like, there's not much more you can ask from the way they played in this game and, and the opportunity that was in front of them. And they're going to have three more bites at the apple to to do something similar in games that are going to be much much more winnable on the other side of the ball. Let's highlight to a guy who had a world class game in this game. Xander Mueller was incredible. In this game, 12 solo tackles, 19, ta- uh, 19 total tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, and he batted down a pass. This is a guy having a phenomenal season. He better not be worse than second team all Big Ten, um, and he can certainly play himself higher than that. This is a guy we talked about that Xander Mueller and Bryce Gallagher combined have more tackles than any other two teammates on any other Big Ten school. And thanks to his torrid run over the past two games, I'm referring to Aiden Hubbard, Xander Mueller and Aiden Hubbard have more combined sacks than all but one other pair of guys, which is two guys on Purdue. Um, They've combined for nine and a half sacks, those two guys. Xander's having an incredible season. And it's the kind of thing where we're all – Coming around, to, I think everyone's kind of officially raised. Northwestern's the number seven total defense in the conference. Number four pass defense in the conference. And the run defense is bringing up the rear. But that's only because of all the games at the very beginning of the season. 
for the last four and a half games, literally starting at halftime of the Minnesota game, Northwestern's basically been the sixth or seventh best run defense in the conference. Um, this is a defense doing everything well right now, and they were awesome in this game. Yeah, and you know you can take away like that defense as we. You know, I I kind of want to spin it forward because you know I, I don't know how much more there is to say about this. Um, you know, it, it, the game was what it was. You know, hard to hard to take much else away, but like in and of itself, this game was a real bummer, especially at the end because of the way the Cats rallied to tie it. And how incredible that was. And then the way we all got that gut punch on that 52-yarder when we thought it was going to go into overtime and we thought we were going to really give it to him. So that's in the context of the game itself. In the context of the overall, if losing this game is the difference between going 6-6 six and six and 7-5 and five on the season, then I don't care. If it's the difference between getting 5 wins and 6 wins, well, then that's a totally different thing. But 6 is the goal for this season. That is the magic number that we're all searching for right now. And that is 100% on the table going into the back three games here. Uh, so as we look ahead to Wisconsin, you know, a team that is coming off a loss to uh, a feisty Indiana team. I, I think, Scuzz, you, you were right on it when we were talking about it last Called week. it. Yeah, you did. Um, you know, you, you, you really nailed that one. I mean, like Indiana's feisty. And, you know, we, we saw that, you know, against Wisconsin this, this past weekend. And, you know, so they're going home licking their wounds. We're heading up to Camp Randall, which is a tough place to play. But, you know, we've had we've had some success there. We had some epic we've had some epic failures there, too. But like it, it's not completely unreasonable to think that we could go in there and come out with a dub. Yeah, I think I, so. Obviously, you know, I talked. I talked about Indiana being feisty. Indiana being, you know, they they gave Ohio State some trouble. They gave Penn State some trouble. Um, this Badger offense since well, it's funny because like since Mordecai went down, they've been a little bit better. But that's been more about their run pass mix. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is it's been more about the way that they've they've leveraged. Um, Braylon Allen and their running game, which, you know, when Mordecai was still playing, when they didn't let Mordecai have 75% of the touches, um, they actually did quite a bit better. Now, what's wild about this Indiana game is that Braylon Allen did not play. He's, he sustained an ankle injury uh, during the first half against Ohio State, missed the second half of that game, missed all of this game, is extremely questionable for North, the Northwestern game. I mean, ankle injuries and running backs um, do not typically go well together. That's massive. Um, Ches Malusi, their, their other, you know, running back who's played the majority of the year, uh, broke his leg against Purdue and is out for the rest of the season. So uh, this Wisconsin team looks even more, um, I don't know, despondent on offense. Yeah. Then, uh, then, then we've seen the last couple weeks. Um, I, I, if, I mean, there's there's rumors that Mordecai might be back. I mean, that is going to be very much a. I mean, like for for those who 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 have forgotten or, or weren't weren't really you know interested in hearing about Wisconsin in early part of the year. I mean, basically, you know, Luke Luke Fickle and his staff brought Mordecai from SMU to run the air raid, and what that has looked like is him throwing a bunch during the game and running a bunch during the game, um, all out of the shotgun not leveraging any of the downhill rushing prowess that Wisconsin has been built on for 30 or 40 years. And um, that's, that's not a problem in and of itself. Actually, this is like a good, a good strategic change for Wisconsin over the years, just the abruptness with which they changed the strategy this season, given the personnel hasn't changed that much was really strange. So obviously they're dealing with so many injuries now that who knows what it's going to look like on Saturday, but the idea, like, this this Wisconsin offense is about as bad as as you know any that we have seen in in the last fifteen years or so. Um, but I think what's probably really different about this Wisconsin team is on the other side of the ball. Let me let me phrase it this way: We were already aware that a lot of parents of players on this team listen to this podcast, and then when Sam and I were at the parents' tailgate, we be, we became aware even more so how many listen to the podcast so let me communicate directly to those parents so you pass this message along to your kids wisconsin's a 10 and a half point favorite in this game 10 and a half 
points. And if we beat this Wisconsin team, there is no doubt that this is the worst Wisconsin team of the era of this podcast. That is for sure true. They're not particularly good at anything. They like Northwestern has a better pass defense than them. Northwestern has a better total defense than them. Over the past four and a half games, Northwestern has a better run defense than them. Their offense goes up and down, but a lot of that's weighted at some crap at the beginning of the season in a game against Purdue. And this offense, like they just turned in. And as Scott said, they're dealing with some injuries right now, but newsflash, we've been playing with a backup quarterback for the past how, however many weeks. Right. So it's like everyone's dealing with injuries. They just gave up four, they just scored 14 points against the number 12 total defense in the country. And this is a team, the only reason they haven't lost four games in a row is because they scored 18 points in the fourth quarter of the Illinois game. They were down 21 7 entering that game. Illinois, the 13th best total defense in the Big Ten. Okay. This is not a good Wisconsin team, okay? And if they lose to us, they would be one quarter away from five straight losses. And they're 10 and a half point favorites because of laundry and because Iowa hit a 52-yard field goal. And you make sure your kids know just how much they're getting disrespected in this game. Because, again... We were talking about it before the game. I was 10 and a half. I mean, Wisconsin's 10 and a half point favorites in this game. Northwestern might just straight up be better than Wisconsin. Just straight up. Just straight up play it on a neutral field. We think that Northwestern just might be better than Wisconsin. 10 and a half point favorites. I could give a shit that it's at Camp Randall. This is a Northwestern team that should show up at this game mad and feeling disrespected like crazy. And looking to make a statement win on the road. Well, it, it, it could happen. So Wisconsin defenses of the past have been really, really good. And a lot of the reason for that is Jim Leonard, Jim Leonard, former Badger safety, former NFL safety, um, coached this defense very excellently. <laughs> Wait, Scuzz, are you saying that the guy we spent five straight years telling anyone who would listen was the best defensive coordinator in college football was really good at his job? Is that what you're saying? Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. And this Badger defense is a far cry. A far cry from what we've seen the last several years. And that, it it just, it changes the, it puts just so much more pressure on their offense. It It doesn't allow, I mean, like, the mixture of the downhill just bowl you over running attack with that defense who now gets to make you one dimensional is a match made in heaven. And Wisconsin's moved away from it um, on both sides. And I understand why I understand why they brought in Luke fickle. I understand that Luke fickle wants to modernize the offense to make Wisconsin more attractive to potentially professional quarterback and wide receiver talent. That's the thing he wants to do to make them more nationally relevant. It's not about, it's not about winning the big 10 West anymore. It's about winning the big 10. It's about showing up on the national stage. When you go to a college football playoff or, or, or new year six bowl, it's a smart strategy. It makes a lot of sense. They can 100% achieve with that. But um, to flip that switch in year one is extremely difficult to do. And um, it's uh, you know, we have an opportunity to reap the benefit of that. Absolutely. And again, I'm just, if it sounds like I'm pissed, I am pissed because this is some laundry going on here right now. We scored seven points. You know how many points I uh, Wisconsin scored against Iowa? Six. That was at home. That was in Camp Randall. They lost 15 to six to Iowa. Okay. And again, if you look at the last five games, neither of these offenses has been a peach. But you know what? Northwestern scored 37 in a game and 33 in a game. The most points the Badgers have scored in their last five Big Ten games was 25 against Indiana. And they had seven going into the fourth quarter. I mean, I mean against Illinois. And they had seven going into the fourth quarter against a bad Illinois defense. Okay? But 
the narrative is going to tell you that only one of these teams has a bad offense going in. That's just laundry. Wisconsin's playing awful football right now. And Northwestern's battling like crazy. And yeah, they didn't get the win against Iowa. But guess what? Like, you think if Iowa doesn't hit that 52-yard field goal and Northwestern goes into overtime and then Northwestern beats Iowa, which I think we all felt like was going to happen, right? That line's lower than 10.5 points. So this is just a trash line. But it's a line that sure as hell ought to piss off all the guys in that Northwestern locker room. Um, And again... I feel like we all know that we're the kind of team that plays our best ball when we're getting disrespected like this, and we're sure as hell getting disrespected here. And, you know, listening to Braun's press conference today, um, you know, there is, it seems like there's a chance Bryant could go. Hard to, hard to say. I mean, it's a really, it's a really interesting conundrum because like, okay, Bryant can go. Does, does he does he start? Does he not? Like this is these are some of the mechanics of what's been going on in practice. What what they want to do? Where, like where where you see potential um, opportunities with this Wisconsin defense? Like they're not particularly great on the pass rush. Um, I think they've switched to back to a four three. Is that right? They could still be running a three four. I'm just not sure. Yeah, I don't exactly remember either. Um. um yeah, so like I, that's where, or actually, they may be like a, it could be like a three three five or something. I'm not honestly, I I should know because I know it matters. But they haven't been playing offensive football. Yeah, I mean, they, they're they're still leveraging their linebackers for most of their quarterback pressure. So that's the sort of thing. Like, bl- like if you're gonna if you're gonna blitz, look for a guy to get the ball out fast and find the hot read. Like, I like Ben Bryant to have some of those opportunities. We we know this defense has got fast players, so that may neutralize a little bit of of Sullivan. But at the same time, like Sullivan is Sullivan's been such a gamer, and you know, leading this like leading this team against Maryland two weeks ago. So I, I like I think like John, you said this after last week. Like you said, I don't care. I don't care which one of them plays. It's going to be got one two of guys them. that can sling it, right? Yep. Exactly. So I just I like what whatever the the offensive strategy is and the and the offensive approach is. I I. I hope it is more in the vein of Maryland of, Hey, look what we can do. We're going to dictate. We're going to, we're going to try to put something on these guys as opposed to um, really sitting back on our heels and trying to avoid, you know, trying to avoid damage uh, like we did to start Iowa. Um, Where I am a little concerned is when you, when you look at, you know, a a theme across Nebraska and Iowa, it's the theme of a quarterback that you look at outside the pocket who is then able to find receivers on the run. Now, Mordecai, you know, 60% completion on the year um, in conference. Like he's, he's, he's not an inaccurate quarterback, but he's not super accurate either. I I don't, I I don't, I don't love that potential matchup. They've got to be a bit more thoughtful about how to contain him and how to stop him. And and maybe, you know, if, if an Allen can't go and, and, Maybe that gives you a little bit more confidence focusing on Mordecai spying him versus worrying about the run game. So we'll just we'll just have to see how that plays out. But um, there is uh, there's some reason to be you know optimistic and also a little concerned on both sides of the ball for that reason. But I mean the the quest the question is you know if it is Mordecai he's coming in off of a long stretch of being off. So sure. the the rust factor and and you, I mean if you say the exact same thing about Bryant too. So it's like. You know, pick your poison. You know, it, it's it's really tough. Both teams coming in in a situation. Backup quarterbacks have been going are in the are in the groove. I mean, we, we I know which backup quarterback I want. I, yeah, no uh, yeah. I, a thousand close. percent. Yeah, I, I mean, again, too. To go back to a time when Northwestern was not playing very good defensive football. You have to go all the way back to the first half of the Minnesota game. That's over a month ago. That's, I mean, what, like a month and a half? We're going way back here. This defense has been dialed in. And it's like, put some respect on their name. Whoever it is, if it's Mordecai, they are bringing their best against this group. And then the other thing about the offense, look, yeah, our offense has turned in 
four really bad scoring performances against the second, fourth, fifth, and sixth best total defenses in this conference. Okay. We also torched the number nine and number 10 total defenses in this conference. Nine and 10. Wisconsin is eight. And you know what? We play the 13th and 14th best total defenses to close out the season. So whatever you think about this offense, keep in mind that every time Northwestern's played a bottom half Big Ten defense this season, they've gone off. And that's what Wisconsin is, and it sure as hell is what Illinois and Purdue is. Again, it's like this is why it's not easy, but very possible to flush that Iowa game. Because when you actually look at these four teams, again, if Northwestern beats Wisconsin, Wisconsin's one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. And they are on a crazy slide. Um, And we talked on Twitter, too, that in a lot of ways, in terms of like the offensive balance that they have, one of their best comps is Maryland. Also a great comp in the absolutely in free fall territory. Because that's where Maryland is too right now. These are two teams in free fall. Maryland just got obliterated by Penn State. Um, but it's it's two teams where the bottom is falling out. We're catching Wisconsin at the absolute right time where our guys have a world to play for. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go cats. So let's uh, take a step back and look at the rest of the conference this past week. Um, quick recap. Um, you know, Ohio state beats Rutgers 35 to 16 in a game that Rutgers was leading at halftime and Ohio state had a pick six kind of tr- uh, open the floodgates for them. Well, um, not, not just a pick six, like Rutgers was, on the they were either in or just outside of the red zone and Gavin whims it through a roughly 80 yard pick so let's see it's a not no a 93 yard interception return for a touchdown yeah this that's was, that's, this, a, that's a 14 point swing this was the beginning of the third quarter it was it was nine to seven you know call, let's call it a 10 point swing that like Rutgers sure. is probably going to have 12 7 and 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 then the floodgates just opened and and Ohio State just completely turned it on they very well may have turned it on late anyway but that's just that's just rough for Rutgers you know playing their super bowl at home against Ohio State looking looking awesome through the first half i mean we we have experienced this a million times as northwestern fans um and it it it, it, it sucks um, that, that Ohio state team is, is got a, they've got a lot of talent. When you let that talent get loose, uh, they, they can, they can really hurt you, but like rest assured, like, um, I, I do not understand how Ohio state was given the number one slot in the college football playoff. I will never understand how that was bestowed upon them, uh, based yeah. on the first eight weeks of the season. And, uh, you bet your ass they're not going to be there at the end of the year either. Uh, no. Oh yeah. I also like, I feel like again, I know, Sam, you'll get to this from a scheduling perspective in a little bit. I don't know why the nation isn't talking about this way, way more. Rutgers is going to play a road football game this coming week. And if Rutgers wins that game, which is entirely possible, Rutgers is, without a doubt, the fourth best team in the Big Ten. Which is a mind-breaking thing to say. And it will definitely be true if Rutgers wins that game next week um i don't know how we got here i don't know cats and dogs living together but that's the world that we're living in right now um and yeah and and again right Rutgers, they probably were never going to beat ohio state but they sure as hell gave them all that they could handle because Rutgers is a good football team uh you got michigan big over purdue 41 to 13 don't have a lot to say about that nope other than, again, 
Purdue is, I mean, it's very easy to make the, the argument that Purdue's the worst team in the Big Ten. That's a very easy argument to make, and they are still on our schedule. Uh, Penn State beats Maryland 51-15. to um, You mentioned that uh, earlier. Penn State just, you know, really crushed it on late. But, I mean, they, they, this game was never in doubt. Whoa, Maryland. Um, and suddenly Maryland. Eh, yeah. nah, Penn, State, no? Penn, State, Penn State's awesome. We've talked about this ad nauseum all oh, year. Yeah. Penn State's absurdly good. And against a team that can't, you know, turn Aller into a pumpkin like Ohio State did. Like Right. I mean and I, but and again Maryland's the, the bottom has fallen out for them. Like they are in free fall and having lost to both Illinois and Northwestern bookended by Ohio State and Penn State is pretty rough. Yeah. For sure. And they still have do they still have Maryland on their schedule? Um do they have does Maryland still have Maryland? I mean no, I mean um the Michigan. Does Maryland still have Michigan on their schedule? Yes. They they fin- they finish with Nebraska at Nebraska, Michigan and at Rutgers I mean, the last three. All weeks. of a sudden Wolf. all of a sudden Bowl is, is seriously in doubt for this team. It is. It is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I they could they could they could get Nebraska next weekend. Um they could get Nebraska, they could get Rutgers at the end. So they got they they got a couple of legit bites at the apple, but um yeah, that five and zero start feels like it was two seasons yeah. ago. If if Maryland go, misses a bowl game, is Loxley gone? Well, he will have lost like seven straight, so he would definitely be in the conversation. But I don't know. Um, he would be on the hottest of seats. Oh, that'd be sure. Man. You know, it, it's too early to start talking about you know coaches coach firing. So let's you know put a pin in that. But that, that's a question that. Came up when we were playing Maryland, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago too. So uh, we talked about Indiana beating Wisconsin already. Um, Michigan State beats Nebraska twenty to seventeen. Who? Yeah, that was a big one. Uh, so, this, so these two games have basically cemented. So obviously, we beat Maryland. Illinois beat Maryland. Um. I, did Rutgers lose to somebody Rutgers in the West? Rutgers losing to Wisconsin um, is the Rutgers lost to Wisconsin, where yep. things currently stand. Well, I guess like the the broader point is like with with a couple of like very minor like we're at, we're at the point like John, I think you catched it well. Like Rutgers needs to to get, if if Rutgers gets this win over Iowa, unequivocally, the East has all the yeah. best teams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, like, of course, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, blah blah blah. But like, a West team has always been able to, you know, get into that mix at, at the very least. You know, fourth, usually, usually third, um, as the third best team in the conference. And it is um, relatively preposterous that uh, you could you could go maybe even five teams deep in the East. Um, and outstrip the 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 Western brethren. Illinois beats Minnesota, twenty seven twenty six. Come from behind. On, like I, we were watching this game um, at the bar and seeing the way Minnesota just blew the coverage. A future I, future NFL safety Tyler Newbin is not putting this in his draft highlight reel. Let's just put it this Oh my this god. Play, this play is not going in the reel. The two safeties just let the dude split them right over the top when the one thing that they couldn't do was let a guy do that. Um yeah. That was a backup bizarre... backup quarterback. Yep. John Paddock, sixth-year yeah. uh, QB from Ball State. Wow. Yep. Yeah, it was – and I mean, it was – but it was the perfect capper on because we had joked about the fact that on paper this was like the first and last place teams in the conference and the spread was two, and then Illinois just won outright anyway. So, like, again, it's yeah. like – Vegas, Vegas, Vegas knew something. This is the West. There, therein lies the the West. It it didn't make any of these teams look any better or worse. Um, it just is what it is. All right. So turning to this weekend's game, um, you know, Northwestern Wisconsin two thirty start on FS one. Uh, Wisconsin, as we mentioned, ten and a half point favorite over under forty two and a half. Um, it just seems just like a line is just too big. 
But seems like that over under is too big too. But you know, probably yeah. Uh, big noon Sunday, Michigan at Penn State. Michigan, Michigan, a four and a half point road favorite, over under forty four and a half. Amazing, amazing that it's that low. This is the first Michigan test of the year. I, I think yeah, it makes it sense. Is. It's on it's on the road. Um like on paper, it should be bigger. On paper, Michigan State has not struggled with a single team that they've seen all year for more than a Mich- quarter. Michigan. Michigan. Mich- Michigan. Yeah. Michi- oh, Michigan, I say State. Michigan State. Michigan State yeah. struggled Sorry. plenty. <laughs> no. Mi- Michigan has not struggled with a, a team for longer than a quarter on their on their entire schedule. And they they very likely will find themselves in a rock fight for at, at least half of this game. And how they respond to that is a huge question mark. Yep. And and you know what? Look, I'll just be the one to go ahead and say it. ESPN anonymously interviewed 50 coaches about the sign stealing and about 45 of them agreed that what Stallions was doing probably swung games by three to seven points. Well, here you go. The line is four in this game. We are right in the Connor Stallion zone. So let's see. <laughs> let's see, now that Michigan's not cheating, how they do against Penn State. Let's find out. So much for the so much for the Vegas zone. Yep. It shall yeah, right. here be known as the Connor Stallion <laughs> zone. That's right. Oh my God. That's amazing. Uh, Indiana at Illinois. Illinois a six and a half point home favorite. That's preposterous, especially if their quarterback is hurt. I don't understand I, how Illinois wins. This I don't. Game. I mean, again, it's it. That's a wild one too. I mean, Indiana just. <laughs> but that should show you Wisconsin just lost to a team that is a six and a half point dog to Illinois. So that should give you some idea of the kind of football Wisconsin's playing. Uh, that game is also at uh, 11 o'clock Central on Big Ten Network. Uh, you've got an 11 a.m. kick on Peacock. Maryland at Nebraska. Maryland, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. So the prior week – now, we, we've talked in the past about how Maryland's uh, run D had, like, was better this year than we anticipated. Um, against Michigan State, Nebraska really struggled to run the ball, and then – they sacked Harburg seven times. He was uh, less than 43% complete with two picks and no TDs. Um, this is pretty easily his worst game of the year. Um, so I like M- Maryland was unable to pressure our QB. And if they're not able to do that against Nebraska, this could be a pretty even matchup. But if they're able to get any sort of pressure on Harburg, um, I kind of I kind of like their ability to uh, to win this out. Uh, you you were hinting at it. Rutgers at Iowa. Uh, Iowa a two point favorite. The over under lower than our over under twenty eight and a half. A new a, a new record Iowa, low. Plumbing the depths. Will, will, will the over under of an Iowa game uh, submarine the Brian Ferentz line oh before God. the end of the season? The uh... It's it's wild too because again this game is for fourth in the Big Ten straight up like I mean Iowa for all the things with Iowa if Iowa beats Rutgers Iowa's eight and two which means it's not even close like and Rutgers would go to seven three with a win over Iowa I mean this is a super slept on game particularly from the Rutgers perspective I mean again respect to Iowa the way that, again the way that they do this is that their D special teams. And penalties are at unbelievable levels. They don't commit penalties, and they're awesome in both of those two phases. And they're lucky, and that's how they pull all of this off. Um, but this is a massive game for both of these teams. Just let's let let's just imagine that Harburg has a bad game against Maryland, and Iowa continues to be Iowa against Rutgers, and then next week Harburg has a bad game against Wisconsin. The Nebraska Iowa game on Thanksgiving Friday could could the over under oh, no. be twenty four and a half? I don't think we can oh, get there. I don't think we can get there. But my God, like imagine, like can it be a snow game? It's like, truly, it's unbelievable. 
Oh, uh, that'd be phenomenal. Uh, NBC's got to be loving this one. Uh, Minnesota at Purdue. Even line. That's a pick em. Over under is 46 and a half. That's a 230 kick, like I said, on NBC. Is that is that at Purdue? At yeah. Purdue. That is wild. I mean, if Minnesota wins this game, they're still tied for second place in the Big Ten. And I get Purdue's two and seven. Like Purdue is a quite bad football team. Um yep. and yeah, I'm I'm amazed. I just it's it's so strange. Like I, I almost feel like there's gotta be there's gotta be someone important on Minnesota who got injured. Um is it Darius Taylor? Did he I did, don't know. I know he's been banged up, did he but I thought play he played. in this Illinois game. It doesn't uh it does not look like it. Yeah, that's the difference. Darius Taylor did not play in the in the Illinois game. He must he must still be banged up. Jordan Newbin was the was the primary running back for Minnesota. Yeah. yeah, or he, that's is that he, that, he broke oh, out is that his, yeah, that's his brother. Sorry. I think they're his brothers. brothers. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that's that's the difference right there is that Darius Taylor, you know, was was such a critical piece of Minnesota early on in the season, and I think, I think they, they, they must, must be assuming, assuming that he's going to miss this game, game as well. Because well. without, without him, they have they really, really struggled, struggled to do much, to do much with, with the ball. It is just again, uh, what more can you say about the Big Ten West? If Minnesota doesn't let that ball go over the top at the end of the game, they're six and three playing a two and seven team, and this is an even line in this game. <laughs> like, yeah, what, what more can you say? Just to put, just that, to put that in context, context like Darius, like Darius Taylor, Taylor ran, ran for 138 yards, yards at a six point three clip, clip against against, against, against uh, that's, uh, that's North, North Carolina. Carolina. Why, Why am I looking at North Carolina, Carolina and not Iowa? Iowa. I, clicked I clicked on the, on the Iowa, Iowa one. Show me the Iowa one, please. Um, not, not nearly, nearly as, good. as good. Never, Never mind. mind. <laughs> but he but played, played at least. At least. <laughs> he had he an had 11 yard run. run. <laughs> oh, um, I, I that, 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 that must be that must be the reason. That must be the reason that, that Minnesota, Minnesota is so, so um, uh, underwhelming uh, in, in, in Vegas, Vegas right now. And then uh, NBC gets uh, second half of a doubleheader: Michigan State at Ohio State. Uh, Buckeyes are a 31 and a half point favorite over under 47 and a half. This is going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, it absolutely will. And, and again, credit to Ohio state. Like they shook off the worst of their problems at the beginning of the season. Scuzz is right. They are by no means the, the fact that they're number one is ridiculous, but they do have Marvin Harrison and they are a team that's, that's, you know, rounding into form. And yeah, they're probably going to obliterate Michigan state. Um, looking further, uh, you got Thursday night, uh, Louisville hosting Virginia, um, Malik Washington, uh, in the Blitnikoff, uh, chatter, 79 catches, 1,044 yards and six touchdowns for a two and seven Virginia team. But Hey, they already spoiled, uh, Drake May's day. And, uh, I don't know, maybe they can do it against Louisville too, but we all know Louisville's in the midst of. A, a magical season right now. So either way, yeah. I'll, how about a big a big day for Malik? But Louisville keeps rolling. Um, let's see. Bama at Kentucky. Uh, Kansas, Texas Tech. What else? Arizona, Arizona at Colorado. How how about that one? Uh, I, I think uh, that I don't know what the line is for that game, but it's I'm Arizona. Guessing, uh, Arizona by eleven. And here's and this is where we are. <laughs> how, the, how the star has fallen. Uh, oh boy, the uh, there not now we're all Dion believers, but uh, in terms of this particular season, the air went out of the balloon pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean it, it's wild. Uh, like Utah at Washington, mm-hmm. the uh, that's one. I mean, this is why it's so stupid that Washington is fifth. Like the the Pac-12 is just throwing, has just juggernauts throwing haymakers at each other every week, and Washington's already beaten Oregon and USC. Now they have to play 18th ranked Utah, a very good team, and they're still fifth in the polls, which is just ridiculous to me. But hope, you know, hopefully they'll pull it out. They don't have a defense. That's the problem. Um, 
USC at Oregon this week. So the, like, the, yeah. like no, no rest for the weary. Um, USC with a brand new defensive coordinator for this. Yeah. Game. Yep. Um, Tennessee, Missouri, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Georgia is the, is the other headliner. Yeah. Top, top 10 matchup. I'll tell you one I would circle big time is Miami, Florida state. Sure. I don't, one, uh, I don't back. care. I don't care that one of them is four and one of them is not ranked. It's Miami, Florida State. And wrecking Florida State's undefeated season is exactly the kind of thing that would put a stamp on Miami's season. Um, and I would definitely be circling that one big time. That is pretty much what Miami does. Yeah, it really is. It's kind is. of a bummer that Duke, UNC, it seemed, it really seemed like this one was going to be a lot bigger of a deal um, earlier on in the year. I, if Riley Leonard didn't get hurt, um, yeah, you'd be it'd be a different be a different ball of wax. But um, they are he is he is not the same quarterback he was to yep. start the season. I just think it's important for people to remember that when they're um, thinking about what we looked like trying to defend him. Um, he's just he's just not, and that team is they're not nothing without him, but they're very little without him. God, looking back at that game, it's like, I mean, again, I know we're four and five. I know we're not like seven and zero, oh, but I'm just saying it feels like that game happened in a different world than the world that we're in right now when it comes to this Northwestern defense. Indeed, for sure. Uh, one last piece of football news before we uh, move on to some other sports. Um, the 2024 schedule, Big Ten schedule, was released, and uh, whoo. You look at just looking at the schedule. Uh, we got at Washington, home for Indiana, at Maryland, home for Wisconsin, at Iowa, at Purdue, and then the big big doubleheader: Ohio State at home, at Michigan the week after, and then uh, Illinois to finish up the season. That's a rough November. They, it's good for them that they got rid of divisions because we are about to burn the East down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, mix mix in. Um, we got uh, opening the season with Miami of Ohio, and then Duke first two Saturdays, and then there's you know three open dates. One of those will presumably get get an FCS team added to it. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a big boy schedule, no doubt. Um, opening opening the season at Washington is pretty fun for all you uh, all you NU alums in Seattle. I know there's a big big um, big NU contingent out there. Of course, the West Coast yeah, as well. Portland. So. We got some, you know, our bracketologist Scott Seppich might pop up. Indeed, to, uh, indeed, to Seattle. an all-purple affair. Uh, oh, with, yeah. with Washington, as it were. So that's that's fun. And then, you know, personally for me, no Minnesota on the schedule for the first time since '07. Um, obviously, you know, my dad and I were not there this year, so it's not like we've we we haven't you know deviated or pivoted. But we're gonna have to figure out uh, what what we do on that front. Um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, the Trojans are are coming to Minneapolis, so that might be the uh, that might be the pick. But um, I'm pretty excited. You know, playing at Purdue that's a short hop and a jump here from uh, from from Cincinnati. We could uh, we could be middle. some could be some scouse bows at that at that event. Um, we'll just see how we go. But you know, I it's kind of like there's so so much is going to change between now and next year with you know Northwestern figuring out. Well, a, where, a, where, just where the games are going to be? Well, just a where Northwestern ends this season. B yes, location um, is a, a question mark. Um, I think c- coaching staff, could, you know, is going to look different in some way, shape, or form. We don't yes. know how different, and we don't know in in what ways, but is going to look different in some way, shape, or form. And then the portal, like there's just. There's there's so many things that so it's very hard to look at this and and really say one way or another. Oh yeah, this is terrifying. Oh no, it's not. Um, I mean, we'll just have to just have to see how we go. Yeah, I mean, the laundry is scary in November, but uh, like you say, a lot still remains to be seen. Um, field hockey wins the Big Ten regular season, wins the Big Ten tournament. Ow, ow. And does not get the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Number two seed, 18 straight wins. Number two seed. Five. Oh, who got the number one? UNC. North Carolina. Oh, my God. Yep. And it's, uh, yeah, whatever. Put the fire in their bellies. That's fine. They won the Big Ten in the most exciting 
of fashion. And also one of those things that I think, you know, we talk about lacrosse this way a lot, but it applies to field hockey, just the ridiculous talent that these teams are bringing in. Um, first year, Olivia Bent Cole scores the tournament winning goal in double overtime. Um, that's a first year player um, scoring the most massive of goals to win a conference title um, and send Northwestern on to the tournament. So, I mean, we know, I mean, this is just an unbelievable team. They should be the number one seed. They're the number one ranked. They're incredible. And now they're going to try to win another national title. Uh, they got a game Friday at Lakeside Field against either Cal or Miami, Ohio. So uh, we will wait and see what happens there. And then uh, men's basketball tipped off tonight uh, with a game against Binghamton. Um, you know, not a great first half for Northwestern uh, going into the half down three. Uh, but they came back in the second half uh, and the defense kind of kicked into full gear and uh, Cats won 72 to 61. It, it was tight all the way. And then they, they just kind of pulled away late. But um, huge game for Boo Booey, 27 points. Uh, Brooks Barnheiser with 18. Uh, Langborg chips in with 13. Um, and then Nicholson with five. Ty Berry got into a foul trouble uh, early in the first half. Uh, only had three points. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Martinelli, Preston, Mullins, and Clayton all, all played off the bench. So, uh, yeah, Preston had six points for the Cats. And, uh, yeah. I I have a two things to say about this. Number one, because this definitely applies to field hockey, too. Because, I mean, we can't issue enough Mia culpas to the We have the best team in the country. Were this not football season, we would be devoting a much more space. And again, it's not its not a defense. It's just a mea culpa. Football sucks up, as I'm sure you're all aware, all the oxygen. And you'll become aware of that relative to the beginning of this basketball season. Because I know as far as like the students are concerned and everything, like this basketball season, the hype train couldn't be any louder here. And it's just, it's so tough for us in the middle of football to, to try to do this pivot. The other thing. If you have any consternation about the way this game started or the fact that Northwestern looked rusty, the fact that Northwestern was trailing by three to Binghamton before putting it together and ultimately kind of only just getting some style points at the very, very end of this game, tell that to number four ranked Michigan State who lost to James Madison today. And especially tell that to the... To the number yeah, one ranked number LSU one. Lady Tigers, who got stomped by Colorado today. <laughs> when it's the opening night of the season, goofy stuff happens. And it's it's one of those, look, you're trying to iron out the wrinkles without just taking an early loss and whatever. Like style points, if you can get them, great. But you know what? The Cats, like Sam said, Boo had a great game. Brooks missed some shots, but he also had a double-double. Um... This team is like, you know, it's it's early season, season jitters and they got it out of their system. Some teams did not. Yeah, I just I want to call it a couple things like we we've been we've been saying since last year we we're expecting Barnheiser to make a leap this season and and I yes, it's it's an exhibition and then, you know, the first non-con of the year, but um you know, Barnheiser scoring close to 20 a game is um looking looking like a pretty great you know, start to the season. Yeah. He missed some shots, but he went 10 of 10 from the free throw line. Um, he's, he's taking the ball into contact, drawing contact, drawing fouls. It's what you like to see. Langborg had a couple of real nice threes scored 13. Um, you know, when you've got three, when you've got boo scoring close to 30 Brooks scoring close to 20, all this team really is going to need is some role player support and then the right kind of defense on the other side. That is where there's a question mark. Like in the first half, Binghamton was able to um, to slice and dice Northwestern pretty effectively. Uh, and, you know, obviously Chase Odish is is the, the man who has moved on to other pastures. And, you know, I think we, we, all, we, we all looked at Justin Mullen's profile, you know, transferring over from Denver and, and saw a guy that, has a lot of defensive prowess. He only played eight minutes tonight. Um, that that piece of the game this year is going to take a little bit of time coming together. And so um, 
I think it's going to be a little touch and go as we go through this early stage of non-con as they get the kinks out, as they just get comfortable playing that type of defense without a without a true dominant stopper like Chase was. Um, we're just going to have to see the step up on the other side of the court and then the t- team defense really galvanize. All right. Anything else to mention before we get out of here? Just the last is uh, right now, again, we will put it up on Twitter just to confirm, but I'm planning on being back at beer miscuous uh, this Saturday uh, for this Wisconsin game. And if Sam can join me, great. Again, we'll iron all of this out. Austin is the man. He is down to watch some Northwestern football. It is a great spot. Um, if you are looking for a place to watch the game, come join us and, and we'll have a blast. And uh, with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates. And email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the West Slot of Ryan Field flagging the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Scasbo and Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.